Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. So this is going to be a uh, very important show today. We're going to tighten up what happened yesterday. We're going to get you all the information you need to, uh, in under an hour. Ladies and gentlemen, there's obviously a lot to talk about. We're going to talk about what happened, what could be next, what should have been done differently, what can be done differently. Um, and... Um, it's really hard to digest. I got up this morning, uh, took it all in, what's happening in Ukraine, as you did. Um, really sorry to have to do the show like this with uh, the world seemingly in chaos. And as Guy reminded me this morning about uh, Barack Obama's assessment of Joe Biden, uh, you know, never underestimate Joe's ability to uh, F things up. Sad. Folks, today's show brought to you by ExpressVPN. You don't like big tech and government spying on your online activity? Well, I don't either. Get a VPN. Go to expressvpn.com slash Bongino. Welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Uh, pretty somber day today. Pray, folks. I believe in the power of prayer. Uh, really, pray for the citizens of Ukraine. Just because this isn't our country, Ukraine, it's, it should be our concern as well. Uh, I don't think it's our land war either, but I got a lot to get to. Let me get right to it. If you're looking for a firearm that's easy to transport, you got to check out the U.S. Survival Rifle from Henry Repeating Arms. It's a portable rifle you can put together and take apart in a few minutes. And then when you're not using it, you can store the parts in the little case it comes in. It's so small, it can be stored anywhere, in a go bag, anywhere. It's light enough to carry everywhere. Comes in black and two different camo patterns. You can pick one up for three to $400, depending on the finish. You can watch a few videos at henryusa.com survival. And while you're there, be sure to order their free catalog. Henry makes more than 200 rifles, shotguns, and revolvers in the role made in America, backed by a lifetime satisfaction guarantee and the best customer service in the business. Go to their website. It's henryusa.com and be sure to order a free catalog. They'll send it with free decals and a list of dealers in your area. That's henryusa.com for a free catalog and decals and to see the Henry U.S. Survival Rifle. Oh, man, folks. It's just, I really, I love this country and, um, it's just so sad to watch all this happening right now. I'm, I'm absolutely convinced that we would be in a far different place right now if the 2020 election hadn't turned out that way. I'm convinced of it. You may, you may toss that aside as just some simple partisan talking point, and that's fine. That's up to you to do that. You're entitled to your opinion, but um, I assure you it's not. So first, what happened? Well, it appears last night there was an assault on Ukraine. We're going to try to talk about this in a somber, respectful, yet fact-based fashion. There's nothing more that I hate than panic and hysteria. Dollar attack, all of Ukraine's fault. That's not what happened last night. Okay, there was an assault on Ukraine from multiple angles. It was not just from the east in the disputed Donbass region. That eastern border of Ukraine, of course, is a border with Russia as well. It didn't just happen there. They attacked air defenses. Apparently, at the Kiev airport, according to multiple reports, some fighter jets, Ukrainian fighter jets, were taken out. It appears they attacked from the south, too, in that Maripol region from the south, uh, from the Black Sea. So this was not, although not an all-out assault on Ukraine, it was a significant one. The Russians are claiming that the Ukrainian air defense system has been wiped out. Uh, folks, some of the video coming from the region, the problem is, and some of the reasons I'm hesitant to put the video up, especially on the Rumblecast here, is uh, the Rumble podcast, is uh, I can't verify the authenticity of it. And what I don't want to do is, I don't want to do what I sense a lot of people in the media are doing, is contribute to the hysteria. Uh, I don't want to do that. Panic kills. Panic kills. We had an expression in my prior line of work, uh, don't hit the bed with an S in front of it, if you know what I mean. 
And I have a feeling here that these media people, a lot of them, uh, especially in their eagerness to get clicks and eyeballs on their show, uh, you sense the panic brigade breaking out right now. And panic kills. It is an assault on Ukraine. It has started. It is not limited to the East anymore. So what could be next? Well, what could be next is it's clear at this point, and this is where we get into some danger, and this is why I'll continue to insist that although this isn't our land war, and I, I don't think we should be fighting this land war with our troops in Ukraine in a land war versus Russia in what would be probably World War Three. We do have a lot to be concerned about, and you can hold those two views at the same time. It doesn't make you crazy. It doesn't make you a warmonger. It doesn't make you a dove. It doesn't make you a hawk. It makes you a sensible person. So I told you what happened. I've given you what we know, an assault from the south, an assault from the north, and an assault from the east. You're in real trouble right now. What could be next? Putin's clearly playing psyops right now, ladies and gentlemen. He's putting out messages trying to get the Ukrainian army um, to leave. He has said, you know, quote, lay down your weapons. Uh, if, you, if you go home now, the Ukrainian uh, military personnel, if you go home now, you'll be allowed to leave freely, which is a uh, thuggish wink and a nod way of saying, if you don't abandon your country now, you will be killed. And uh, the Russians probably uh, are not kidding. Uh, having said that, surrender is obviously not an option for Ukraine right now. Living under Russian subjugation does not seem like a viable plan. These are all psyops by Putin. He's also put out, as you've seen, uh, this, this leak days ago, leaked, leaked on purpose, a, a kill and capture list of Ukrainian politicians. This is meant to do two things. It's obviously meant to get in the heads of the soldiers who are sitting there in uniform getting ready to fight and kill some of these Russian soldiers. It, it's, a pre, it's a preemptive way to win a war before it even starts through PSYOPs. And secondly, it's a way to get politicians in Ukraine to abandon their country and, and make the citizens believe they've already been taken over and subjugated. The kill list was done intentionally. It was leaked in advance. So we discussed what happened. We're on what could happen next now. I want to keep this show tight and oriented towards the facts. Well, what's going to happen next, I can assure you, is going to be an elevation of the cyber war going on in Ukraine right now. Well, what does that mean? It means a likely attack on the veins and arteries of Ukrainian civilization. When I say veins and arteries, I mean the thing that keeps the body of Ukraine, the collective body politic going, water, food. Highways, supply lines, financial services. Uh, this appears to be the next goal of the Russian cyber war. To collapse all of these systems to make sure the Ukrainians can access the oxygen in their veins and arteries that they need to keep the country's body going. You can't access money. You can't access gasoline. You can't access a water supply. Yeah, you've created a real problem. Here's what worries me, and here's what I was hinting at in the what comes next category. There were some extremely worrisome comments out of Vladimir Putin last night. And ladies and gentlemen, these should not be disregarded. Political Playbook had a decent uh, rundown today. Even though I don't agree with their leftist politics, had a pretty decent rundown of everything that's going on right now. <clears throat> Do not dismiss Vladimir Putin's words as, as, uh, as mere saber-rattling. I think he's shown, as I said on Fox this weekend, sadly and tragically, 
He says what he means and he means what he says. That is not meant to be a qualitative statement of approval of this man's brain. He's a thug. He's a, he, he's a killer and a murderer and a savage. But because he's a killer and a murderer and a savage doesn't mean we should underestimate him because of his moral failing. He clearly means what he says and says what he means. Now, um, the quote I'm about to read to you should take on, you, you don't, there's no reading between the lines here, folks. There's no reading between the lines. Should take on some gravity knowing that this guy is an animal and means what he says. This is from Playbook. Here's quote number one. Putin had a more bracing warning for the West. Quote, anyone who tries to interfere with us, or even more so to create threats for our country and our people, must know that Russia's response will be immediate and will lead you to such consequences as you've never, bef- as you've never before experienced in your history. Now, folks, any even layman's readings of Vladimir Putin's comments, consequences you've never seen before, what is he clearly referring to? It's pretty clear he's referring to nuclear war. Now, again, for those of you out there suggesting, well, that's improbable and unlikely, I hope you're right. I hope you're right. I pray you're right. We also thought a full-on invasion of Ukraine from the north and the south rather than the east was unlikely too. Now, Politico goes on to say, in case any of you are unclear what he meant by these worrisome comments about consequences you've never seen before, clearly winking and nodding in only a way a savage thug can about nuclear weapons, Politico Playbook notes, Putin also said the following per a translation. Quote, as for the military sphere, Modern Russia, even after the collapse of the Soviet Union and the loss of a significant part of its nuclear potential, is today one of the most powerful nuclear powers. And moreover, it has certain advantages in a number of the latest types of weapons. In this regard, no one should have any doubt that a direct attack on Russia will lead to defeat and dire consequences for a potential aggressor. Any uh, any doubt there what he's talking about? He's talking about nuclear weapons. He's also talking about likely the development of hypersonic missiles, which can defeat missile defense systems. Folks, I'm just taking the man at his word. I want to be crystal clear on my stance on it because you deserve that. If you're going to spend time with me, you're owed honesty and candor from me. I don't believe that that is grounds justification for us to be militarily involved with our troops in Ukraine. I don't. And there's very little at this point that could change my mind. I'm open to it, but very little that could change my mind. Having said that, I don't believe he's kidding. I don't believe he's kidding at all. I think he has boxed himself into a corner. I think he uh, was using his, his, his leverage on the Ukrainian eastern border to get concessions. I think he thought that what he said he wanted, which was guarantees that Ukraine would uh, never be able to join NATO. I'm, 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 I'm positive that he thought that that amassing on the border of Ukraine was going to lead to that concession. You following me, folks? That he thought he would get these guarantees. Okay, Vladimir, whatever. They're not going to join NATO ever, and he can go home and tell his Russian citizens that he's losing support with 
he can say, look, I won. Ukraine will forever be in our sphere of influence. They will never be with NATO. And he didn't get that. So he boxed himself in a corner. That corner was he had to invade. The problem is I don't think this invasion is going to go like he thinks it's going to go. I think their takeover could be swift. But taking and holding a land, property, and terrain are two entirely different things. Just ask the United States their experience in Afghanistan. A far more powerful military than Russia. We won fast. But look what happened in the long run. Look what happened to Russia in Afghanistan. He's boxed himself in a corner. I think he thought with this invasion that he was going to get the Crimea boost. When he invaded Crimea, his popularity soared. People saw Russians, Russians, saw Russia as a global power again. Look, everybody's scared of us. I heard this interesting line in the Wall Street Journal. One of the reporters said he spent a lot of time in Russia. He was on a line once and a guy was complaining, what kind of country is this? There's lines everywhere. And someone said, you know what? There may be lines, but everybody's scared of us. Talking about the country, Russia. I think he thought he would get the Crimea boost when he invaded Ukraine after he was boxed in on the NATO decision. Sorry, I'm going to take a note. I don't want to forget this stuff. This is, uh, this is an important show. I don't want to miss anything. That's not what happened, folks. He's not getting the boost. I'm going to show you in a minute. Let me, let me get to this. I'm sorry to do this early, but I want to make sure we can uh, let me get to all this and the show flows right. I want to get to a poll coming up next, the CNN poll. Uh, coverage. I know it's CNN, but it was, I'm, I'm trying to bounce through a lot of stuff this morning. With cyber attacks on the rise, protecting your data security is more important than ever. So why is Congress considering a law that puts your data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? The Durbin Marshall credit card bill shifts billions in consumer spending to less secure payment networks, all so that corporate mega stores can make bigger profits. Don't let Durbin Marshall steal your data. Visit handsoffmyrewards.com security and tell your senators to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Paid for by Electronic Payments Coalition. So, as I said, uh, Putin was hoping for this Crimea bump. He's not getting it. The Russian population is very skeptical. It's very skeptical of what Putin's up to. CNN, an article up, half of Russians say it would be right to use military force to keep Ukraine out of NATO. Okay. But when you go to the poll and you see the kind of crosstab information, there one out of every two Russians, 50%, said it would be right, while only a quarter said it would be wrong. The other quarter are unsure, according to the survey. So, folks, whereas in the Crimea bump they had afterwards, they got an enormous amount of support. His popularity jumped 20, 30 points after invading Crimea. He still got half of his population extremely skeptical about what they're doing here. Now, that's now where they've had some early uh, military successes. That's now. The question is, what happens? As I said to you, uh, occupying a country is far different than taking it. What happens when Russian casualties start adding up? Why am I bringing this up? Because, folks, this is what I'm concerned about, about his comments about nuclear attack. And you should be, too. So we talked about what happened. We talked about what could be next. Here's another component of what could be next that really bothers me. China. Apparently, there were... uh, Four to nine incursions into Taiwan's airspace. Their ADIS, as they call it, the Air Defense Identification Zone. It's an it's a, an, a navy. Uh, it's an uh, aviation term. 
violations of Taiwanese airspace. You think the Chinese Communist Party isn't watching what happens? We've warned about this. Many people have warned about this. This is the problem with having a feckless man in charge right now who has telegraphed his every move from minute one. Is the Chinese invasion of Taiwan next? I pray it isn't. You should too. What about Poland? Is there a refugee crisis in Poland coming next as people swarm out of Ukraine into Poland? You're seeing it now. My worry as well is if these polls turn as Russian casualties start to add up, what's Putin going to do with those nuclear weapons? All right, so we covered what happened and what could be next. Now is an important part of the show. And ladies and gentlemen, forgive me, but uh, the pearl clutching on the left about, oh my gosh, you know, we should leave. We should all just support Joe Biden at this point, hands down. I support Team America. I will always be Team America. And I hope Joe Biden succeeds. But for you to suggest to us right now that his actions did not walk us into this fight or at least provide the stepping stones for this is ridiculous. And this is a free country and I'll speak my damn mind and you should too. Every single thing, we had four years of crises under Donald Trump too. And no one took a second to say, hey, let's stand by the president when the coronavirus plague broke out. BS. You lied about him. He said it Jack Bleach. You lied about him all the time. So forgive me with the pearl clutching now. It's time to stand behind the president. It's time to stand behind America. If the president is wrong, I'm not going to sit back here in an opinion show and let it go. And let him continue to be wrong, walking us into a potential nuclear war because of your phony, fake pearl clutching. Sit down and shut up. What could have been done differently? Scratch that. What should have been done differently? What did I tell you yesterday during the show? You have two approaches. Not only two, but two approaches to creating a strong, sovereign nation with your military. You can use overwhelming force and power, building up your military so that there is no chance of losing. We'll call it the Reagan approach. Or you can take the Trump approach, where we still have a powerful military, but you're so darn unpredictable that nobody wants to do anything of significance to hurt you because they're afraid of how you're going to counterattack. I described this yesterday. Ambiguity and unpredictability are assets. Biden has made himself completely predictable. He actually told Putin and the Russian military, if you do an Eastern invasion, and it's a minor incursion, what happened yesterday wasn't minor, but it wasn't an all-out assault on Ukraine, then there'll be some questions about what we should do. Why would you, what's the line about, there's only two things that happen behind closed doors? Love making and war making. You don't make war and conduct foreign policy out in the open like this. Here, listen to Joe Biden again, telling them exactly what the treasure map looks like and where to find the treasure. Check this out. Russia will be held accountable if it invades. And it depends on what it does. It's one thing if it's a minor incursion and then we end up having a fight about what to do and not do, etc. Again, the pearl clutchers on the left. We have to stand by Biden. No, we have to stand by America. The question is, has Biden been standing by America? Or has he been putting Americans and America in a perilous situation 
by becoming the most predictable now wartime president we've seen in modern U.S. history. You're telling me that was right? You don't think that was a signal to Putin? Hey, man, hey, okay. Minor incursion? Yeah, we're not. We're going to have to argue about what to do. What a buffoon. What a buffoon. What should have been done differently? Well, not that. You don't go out in public and telegraph what you're not going to do and the conflicts with our allies over what to do about Russia. Moving on. Another thing we shouldn't have done, looking back, which looks like an enormous mistake now, is why we caved back in 1994 and convinced Ukraine to give up the nuclear weapons that were held on its soil, being a former member of the Soviet Union, was obviously now a huge mistake. A topic we've discussed in this show many times over the last seven years is how one of the lessons learned from the Iraq war and why you'll never see a leader <clears throat> give up nuclear weapons again after Gaddafi. You'll never see it happen or access to them, nuclear weapons or nuclear programs. The Iranians won't do it. The North Koreans won't do it. They are not going to give up their nukes. Why? One of the lessons from the Iraq war was you stand no chance in a traditional battle with the U.S. Army. The Iraqis got routed in days. It was over. With nuclear weapons, the calculus changes. There are only certain things the U.S. would likely do up into a line, and everyone will want to avoid global thermonuclear war. Well, we told the Ukrainian government back in 1994 to give their nuclear weapons up. Now they're sitting there naked. There's an article yesterday in the journal, How Ukraine Was Betrayed in Budapest. It notes how in 1994 in the Clinton administration, the Budapest Memorandum, the U.S., Great Britain, and Russia offered security assurances to the nation that had won independence when the Soviet Union was, uh, uh, dissolved, and they persuaded the country to give up its nuclear weapons. Looks like a big mistake now, doesn't it? Well, Dan, now we'd be looking at nuclear war. Really, folks? That's funny, because Vladimir Putin just told us, hey, now we'll be looking at nuclear war. You want Vladimir Putin in an asymmetric nuclear war or do you want Vladimir Putin being dissuaded from nuclear war because the Ukrainians have nuclear weapons? I'll tell you, the verdict is in. I'll take the Ukrainians with nuclear weapons for uh, for $100. Putin decides either tactical or large-scale nuclear weapon use. Now, what would what's the penalty for him? There's no penalty. They're going to be a launch by China. Would we do something? I don't know. I hope I hope and pray it doesn't come to that. I'm just telling you what Putin said. We can continue to pretend he didn't say it and didn't mean it, but that's what happened last time with Biden when he pretended Putin didn't say or mean what he said last time. Now, I opened up the show suggesting to you that we wouldn't be here Right now, if Donald Trump was in office. Now, listen, I can't prove a counterfactual, obviously. Don't have any uh, special future-telling powers or anything like that. There aren't alternate universes out there I can see into. 
But I read a fascinating piece I can't encourage you in strong enough terms to read. It's by Michael Goodwin. Apparently, he spoke with Donald Trump at Mar-a-Lago. It's in the New York Post. It's dated uh, February 22nd, a couple days ago. He talks about other stories making the rounds about when Donald Trump was president. And I want you to keep in mind my two theories right now. My two main theories about how to keep a nation safe using its military. Overwhelming. Indomitable force. You, you, I mean, there's no way to, to, you would beat us. The Reagan approach. Drive the Russian military into the ground by spending them into an abyss. Or being so unpredictable. And if I can be candid with you folks, having foreign leaders just think you're crazy. Wow, that sounds cold, man. It's not cold. It's true. Why don't we attack North Korea? Because they think Kim Jong-un is nuts. They have no idea what he's going to do. Why is North Korea, why are they still in power? Because they think they're nuts. Putin did not, could not predict Trump. I think he thought he was crazy. From this Goodwin article, these are fascinating stories about Trump's time in office. Goodwin says, and I quote, there are other stories making the rounds too, and they're even more provocative. One story has it that Trump, noting that Putin seized land from Georgia when George W. Bush was president and seized the Crimean Peninsula when Obama was president, warned Putin against the land grab on Trump's watch. He said, quote, if you move against Ukraine while I'm president, Trump is said to have told the Russian leader, I will hit Moscow. I'm not asking you to believe that that's the right approach to hit Moscow or to not hit Moscow or to threaten to hit Moscow. I'm simply telling you the fact that Putin thought Trump was crazy enough to do it. And therefore, in four years of Trump's presidency, we had none of these problems. The piece goes on. The story gets even better. Putin reportedly scoffed, no way, leading Trump to say, see all those beautiful golden turrets? They will be blown up. He goes on to tell another story in the Goodman's piece about Trump meeting President uh, Xi Jinping of China during a visit to Mar-a-Lago in 2017. Trump famously interrupted their chocolate cake dessert to declare that he had just ordered the U.S. military to fire 59 Tomahawk cruise missiles at a Syrian airbase after the Syrian government used chemical weapons against rebels and civilians. During that same visit, Trump reportedly told Xi that any military move against Taiwan would be met with an attack on Beijing. Xi, like Putin, is said to have been stunned. Though it's possible neither man believed Trump was serious. You hear that? You hear that? You hear that? While it's also possible that both accounts are exaggerated, it is a fact that neither man made the moves Trump is said to have warned against. I can't personally verify the authenticity of those stories, folks. Obviously, I wasn't there. But I can tell you Goodwin's point is real. There's probably some kernel of truth to them, and there's probably a kernel of truth, too, that Putin and Xi, neither one of them knew if Trump was serious or not. You understand my predictability point again. All right, I want to get to some uh, some more stuff, including a tweet by uh, my friend Mike Cernovich about the left. Listen, you guys and ladies own this. You wanted Trump out so badly. Now we're dealing with it. Give me some mean tweets again as we deal with this gross incompetence. 
As I sit here in the morning and I put together the show for you all, trying to get to you relevant information without a lot of fluff, I try to find people on social media who seem to get it and sum up multiple points in, 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 in a tweet or a truth or a parlor, whatever it may be. And uh, I saw Mike Cernovich this morning. He put this out on his Twitter uh, feed, and he's correct. He said, you have to own this, all 81 million of you, talking about Biden voters. You destroyed military careers over the vaccine. Do you realize how trifling you look now? How pathetic? How weak? Tonight is how human history really looks, you coddled, weak little brats. You wanted our military focused on diversity, equity, inclusion. You wanted all that. You wanted career military officers, gave their lives for this country, sacrificed everything to make no money to wear our uniform. You wanted them fired for not taking your vaccine, which didn't even stop the transmission of one of the uh, versions of the virus, Omicron. This is what real history looks like. Cernovich is right. You own it. You did it. You proud of yourselves? And the guy you voted for, ladies and gentlemen, got played. And I will say again for the third time, you can spare me your phony, fake, pearl-clutching. I don't give a rat's ass about it. You took every opportunity during one of the worst health crises we've seen in modern U.S. history in the Trump administration with coronavirus to crap all over this man at every opportunity. Your phony, fake, pearl... We got to rally around the chief. We got to rally around America and our flag. And your chief has failed us. Here's his spokesperson over at the State Department, Ned Price, for the Biden administration, another failed human being, being questioned by Matt Lee, a great reporter who actually asks hard questions. And he says, listen, basically everything you told us about waiting on the sanctions on Putin, oh, we got to wait, then we'll have a stick. The Biden theory was don't put sanctions out there now before he invades, because then if he invades, we won't have anything to do to him. Really? That was your theory? So you're telling me the guy had 150,000 troops on the eastern, northern, and southern borders, sea border in the south of Ukraine, and he was worried about economic sanctions? You know what waiting did? It said you weren't serious. And Matt Lee asks Ned Price, and of course, Ned Price just has a word salad answer. Check this out. On uh, Nord Stream 2, you guys have been saying for months, indeed for over a year since the waivers were, were first granted, that in fact this gave you additional leverage withholding the sanctions to, and would serve as a deterrent. Clearly, it didn't, uh, you, they, they didn't provide you with any leverage at all that we can tell because of what you just said in your opening statement about the invasion beginning. So, you know, how, how do you explain to people why you didn't impose these these sanctions earlier. So, Matt, it's important, uh, and let's just rewind the tape uh, and remember what has happened in recent hours. Uh, yesterday, within uh, a short time frame of the Russian invasion beginning, Germany took decisive, resolute action to take Nord Stream 2 off the table. Today, we followed with our own complementary authorities uh, using uh, uh, the, the uh, powers and, and capabilities uh, that we have. Matt Lee goes on. It's about two minutes. Said, I didn't want to play the whole thing, but just goes on to call Ned Price out saying, listen, it just didn't work. And you just admitted at this point. 
your strategy of pretending that sanctions after the fact of an invasion were somehow going to be what? Putin's decided to invade a sovereign country and you were going to sanction him after the fact, hoping for what? Hoping Putin would take his toys and go home because of the sanctions you had threatened but never instituted? I mean, guys, come on, man. It's just like we're playing with like kids here. And in case there, you know, we always bring receipts on the show because facts and data matter. In case you're under the mistaken disbelief that Biden and his team had no idea what was coming. Let me disabuse you of that notion immediately. Here's a Bloomberg piece. Note the date. The date's the important part. November 11, 2021. We're now in February of 2022. Bloomberg, U.S. warns Europe that Russia may be planning Ukraine invasion. They knew, folks. They knew. So don't suggest to me that, oh, they had no idea and they were blindsided. They did know. Of course they knew. Their intelligence was actually pretty good. It's hard to trust sometimes, but it was pretty good. Listen, I want to just refocus on where we've been. We discussed what happened in the beginning. We discussed what could be next, the PSYOPs, Putin's nuclear threats. Right now we're discussing what should have been done differently, and we will discuss it. Here's something that definitely could have been done differently. Biden and Obama never took Russia seriously. They assumed that uh, the collapse of the Russian economy, and it has been in in collapse outside of their petroleum windfall for a long time. They have they're under they're on a demographic time bomb. But folks, as I've told you on the phone, you know, uh, on the show, excuse me, many times. You know, the most dangerous people and most dangerous countries are people with nothing to lose. Russia has not much to lose right now. Putin finds himself in real trouble. And I want you to listen to how Joe Biden and Barack Obama, Biden specifically in this cut, never, ever grasped the threat of what was going on with Russia. And Trump did. Check this out. Governor Romney's answer, I thought, was incredibly revealing. He acts like he thinks the Cold War is still on. Russia is still our major adversary. I don't know where he's been. I mean, we have disagreements with Russia, but they're united with us on Iran. The only way we're getting, one of only two ways we're getting material into Afghanistan to our troops is through Russia. They are working closely with us. They've just said to Europe, if there is an oil shutdown in any way in the Gulf, they'll consider increasing oil supplies to Europe. That's not, this is not 1956. Of course, that was after the Biden, uh, excuse me, Obama Romney debate where Mitt suggested that Russia was a threat and Obama came back and said the 1980s call for their foreign policy back. Was Russia our greatest threat? I don't know. I believe that's to be, that's China, but clearly Obama's attempt at a laugh line the only people laughing are laughing at now Obama and Biden. They never grasped the threat, folks. This is the guy in charge. I'd like to move on to the next section here. What can be done? This show is an action-oriented show, complaining about Biden without, without uh, potential uh, solutions here and fixes for this and action items is a waste of time. 
So let's not waste time and let's get to that. What can be done? Well, you're going to have to get Europe on board. As you can see with this Reuters story, the European Union, EU, is unlikely to cut Russia off from SWIFT for now, sources say. Folks, what's going on here? What's SWIFT? Why does it matter? SWIFT is, a, I believe, a Belgium-based international clearinghouse where payments between countries can be cleared, kind of like a bank. I give Guy a check. Guy goes to the bank and cashes it. The bank clears the check between me and takes my funds and gives them to Guy, right? Countries obviously don't do cash transactions unless you're Obama giving, uh, giving the Iranians pallets of cash. I, you knew where I was going with that, right? Outside of that, they have to use international clearinghouses for payments. If we were to cut Russia off, it would really damage their GDP. It wouldn't be catastrophic. They're working on a parallel payment system now, but it would be enough at this point to at least slow their economy down. We have to hurt them economically now. Why does the EU not want to do it right now? Why are they balking? Well, the EU wants its money first. And the problem is, if uh, you know, I owe Guy $10,000, Guy doesn't want to push for me to be cut off from the bank. He wants his $10,000 first. A lot of these EU entities are owed billions of dollars from Russia. But folks, you have to ask yourself, if World War III breaks out, are you ever going to get that billion dollars anyway? So what can we do? We can and likely should consider cutting them off from SWIFT immediately. Second, I said to you before in the, in the opening of the show that taking a country and the occupation of a country are two completely different things. They may take Ukraine quickly. Occupying Ukraine is a whole different matter. Folks, Kiev's not exactly around the corner from Russia. It's still a bit from Belarus, where they have a uh, friendly in Belarus, a, a friendly country to Putin. They're going to need supply lines. They're going to have to get supplies if they occupy Ukraine, especially Kiev. Are they going to occupy Ukraine? I don't know. I don't know. I don't think anyone knows. I mean, I, I hate to give the cop-out answer. It's 50-50 right now. But those supply lines are very long. If a guerrilla war breaks out with Ukrainian uh, military folks, paramilitary folks, and Ukrainian citizens assaulting their supply lines every day, it's going to get really painful for Russia, especially if we knock them out of SWIFT and they're uh, economically hurting their citizens. How long do you think that public polling I cited before in that CNN piece is going to last? How long do you think they're going to be 50-50? may take a while, but you hit those supply lines, things could get ugly fast. What can be done? Again, I'm not suggesting it should be. I'm telling you things that can be done. NATO is meeting, NATO, and I mean, take it for what it's worth, folks. Here's an AP article. NATO vows to defend its entire territory after Russia attacked. Now, it's notable that according to some reports, there was an attack on Snake Island, uh, which has a Ukrainian outpost. Snake Island, ladies and gentlemen, is very close to Romania. That would be a real problem if they attacked Romania. Because, quote from the AP article, during the meeting, Bulgaria, the Czech Republic, Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, Poland, Romania, and Slovakia triggered urgent consultations under Article 4 of NATO's founding Washington Treaty. Article 4 is launched when the territorial integrity, political independence, or security of any of the NATO parties is threatened. You see where I'm going with that? No one's really sure right now if Putin plans to stop at Ukraine. And you shouldn't be either. NATO is on high alert. I'm just putting it out there. 
Maybe they'll do another diversity, equity, and inclusion video to scare them off. You're seeing right now how these what-can-be-done options are already impacting the citizens of Russia. There's another Bloomberg article. The Russian stock market is just got wiped out yesterday, down 45%. If you look at this chart and you're watching on Rumble, the dip is so low, it's hard to even keep track of on Whoa. this chart. Whoa. Yeah, that's, uh, you want to talk about a dip? 45%, that'd be like the stock market today in the U.S. going from 32,000 to 18,000 in one day. We'll see how long those Russian polls stay 50-50 when their entire livelihoods are wiped out because of the maniac in charge. Sooner or later, you got to take your country back to the Russians out there. Let me leave you with just two final thoughts on this because there is some other news. It's been a long night for me and everyone else trying to cover the gravity of what went on. Don't ever forget that quote by Aeneas. You know, the victor is not victorious until the vanquished considers himself so. And I say to any of our Ukrainian friends listening, what I said about the supply lines earlier, it's one thing to take your city, it's another thing to hold it. And if you don't consider yourself vanquished, then the Russians are not victorious. And it'll never be. And I'll leave you with one more. It's an old adage. Michael Anton had said it to me on my show. But remember, hard times make hard men. Hard men make good times. Good times make soft men. And soft men make hard times. We're at the latter part of that now. Soft men making hard times. Maybe the hard times ahead will create a new generation of hard men. Sorry, we have to talk about this stuff, but we do. Okay, I do have some more news to get to in the end of the show, and then uh, I want to wrap it up to keep a tight show today. Um, let me get to my uh, last sponsor. They pay to be here. I appreciate your patience, and they're good companies. I want to talk about Trudeau next, something that happened up north with the dictator up north. So, folks, yesterday, in another important story, given the gravity of everything's going on, I still want to address this. Uh, the dictator up north, Trudeau, has decided to uh, revoke his Emergency Powers Act. Uh, why? Well, I'll get to that in a second, but first let's play the audio video. This is not enough. This guy must lose in the election in resounding fashion. You did this. I'm going to show you why in a minute, but here's Trudeau. Today, after careful consideration, we're ready to confirm that the situation is no longer an emergency. Therefore, the federal government will be ending the use of the Emergencies Act. Now, I was hearing yesterday that uh, you all decided to do something. I was hearing from friends of mine, many of them in Canada, that Canadian banks were getting destroyed. What did I tell you to do? I told you to drain your money out of these Canadian banks. The banks have a very powerful lobby. So what happened? It's interesting. As I was scrolling around before the show, I saw this tweet too. I found out tonight from a call from a bank manager to my brother that the banks were pressuring the Trudeau government to end the, uh, end the act today. People were pulling out their cash and closing accounts in droves. He pulled all his money and closed his accounts, and that was why I got the call. Hearing the exact same thing from friends, if you know what I mean. Action matters. But folks, action right now is not stopped 
You got to get rid of Trudeau. Trudeau, his people, anyone who voted for Trudeau. Their popularity has to cave. It has to tank. Every single MP should lose and lose dramatically. Trudeau should resign. He should lose in resounding fashion, him and his party. Dan Henninger brings up this point in a Wall Street Journal article yesterday. It's a good one. It's called Democrats Deserve to Lose the Midterm Elections. The point he makes throughout the piece is that the damage they have done, Joe Biden and his people, through defund the police, public safety, foreign policy failures, inflation, spending, coronavirus, everything, is so bad. The alienation of parents, the abuse of the FBI and the government, that a a mid-course correction isn't enough. Henninger makes the point that none of this will change unless there is, quote, a resounding midterm defeat, which will force a necessary revision of all of these destructive ideas. The Democrats deserve to lose, he says. They've earned it. Amen, Dan Henninger. Folks, I don't care when the last time you voted was, okay? There's nothing I can do about that. Those elections are over. If you are not voting now to save the, I'm not kidding, to save the world from this failure we're witnessing in the United States and in Canada, then you're just not interested and there's nothing I can do for you. Register today. Make sure you vote in the primaries. Make sure you vote in the general and make sure you send that resounding message we need. This is no time to sit in the bullpen and watch the game. You got to get in, coach. You got to get in. Let me do a quick um, lightning round. Let me tell you, tomorrow too, we'll probably do a question section. I will be posting a, a post on my locals account and True Social as well. Questions for tomorrow's podcast. If you want to submit some questions, we'll probably do that. Depends on the news uh, tomorrow as well. And don't miss my show Saturday night, Fox. Obviously, we'll be covering all of this in the breaking news, 9 p.m. I'm going to have to redo most of the show, obviously, now. We had a lot of it planned out, but that's not going to work. Stocks aren't doing well here in the United States either, as I'm watching right now. Um, Quickly, some other news. Uh, Daily Mail, this will be in the newsletter. You think COVID was uh, from a natural source? It came from a lizard, a pangolin. Really? February 23rd, 2022. More evidence COVID was tinkered with in a lab. Scientists find a virus which contains chunk of DNA that matches a sequence patented by Moderna three years before the pandemic began. Oh, oh That's kind of strange. Sounds like something we said, Joe, a long time ago about the furin cleavage site and the codons yeah. at these... These DNA fingerprints were there. Remember that one, Joe? That was what? Were we? I think we're banned from YouTube for talking yeah, about I, COVID, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we were, right? We're not. You're not loading the YouTube, correct? Key, we banned YouTube, banned us. Right? Yes, yeah, Geese confirms, Joe. Just in case you were confused, and we're going to put the show on YouTube. Yeah, we're not allowed. Um, despite the fact that, yeah, we were right on just about everything. Uh, here's another one: Leanna Wen, former Planned Parenthood member, now CNN contributor. Uh, far lefty who had uh, supported masking and locking down the economy and all this other crap and junk. Here's Leanna Wen on CNN yesterday, um, two and a half years too late, suggesting that, hey, maybe these lockdowns were really bad for the kids and weren't such a good idea. <sighs> Remember, we're not allowed. We were banned from YouTube for saying some of this exact stuff. Here, check this out. 
The study is sobering, but not at all surprising. We know that school has benefit for children, and therefore, when kids are pulled out of school, and also with the uncertainty of not knowing when they're going to go back, that that has detrimental impacts, certainly on emotional well-being, on stress, including of the parents and caregivers who now don't know what to do about about working at the same time. But also now we see that there are very specific impacts on cognitive development, on motor, and other milestones. For children, also we see that there are huge disparities in the study. That those parents and families that are the most vulnerable, most disadvantaged, are the ones that are hurt the most. And so, at this point, we really need policies that aim to keep children in school. Perhaps, for example, not having quarantine if children are exposed, having test to stay or other programs. And we also need to be attentive to these long-term consequences. Can we work to close these rampant and wide educational disparities? Thanks, Leanna. We appreciate it. Uh, nice, nice job. Two and a half years uh, too late. Thanks. She going to be banned from YouTube too? Thank God you're listening to this show and not these idiots. Another story I'd like to spend more time on today, but given the gravity of everything that's going on with Ukraine, um, New York Times forced to report this one. This must have been uh, they. Have, they must have been pulling their hair out, writing everywhere to this piece. <laughs> Two, right? Two prosecutors leading New York Trump New York Trump inquiry resign, clouding the case's future. Of course, the prosecutors in the case against Trump in New York resign. You know why, folks? There was no case against Trump. Let me explain to you again behind the scenes what's happening here. When I was a federal agent, I brought to the AUSA, the assistant United States attorney, to have an intake attorney to make sure the cases you bring are airtight. Why? Prosecutors, ladies and gentlemen, don't like to try difficult cases. The case against Trump was not only difficult in New York, the case against Trump for inflating assets was non-existent. There is nothing a prosecutor wants on his record less than a massive loss all over the front page of the papers. Why? Because most of these prosecutors then leave to go into private practice. Do you think a New York City prosecutor wants his name on this case, knowing there was no case, knowing they were going to lose and lose badly, right? You think they want their name on this case, knowing they're going to get smoked, and then they go to get a job at a prestigious white shoe private law firm, and they're like, hey, weren't you the guy that lost the Trump case? You think this is out of the kindness of Alvin Braggs, the new DA in Manhattan, out of the kindness of his soul? This is a mercenary measure only. None of these prosecutors wanted anything to do with this garbage case because they didn't want to be embarrassed. Finally, one last story. Sorry to motor through them fast, but again, a lot going on. Politico showing you how this administration wrapping up where we came in is completely unserious and how soft men create hard times. Trump focused like a laser on Chinese spying in the United States, especially through our institutions. But what happened yesterday? You would think after what happened in Ukraine, of course, Biden would get serious about China and Russia. Nope, you'd be wrong. You can read the story in my newsletter. Biden's DOJ shuts down China-focused anti-espionage program. He wants to know why. <laughs> because they're morons? Because they, you know why? No, I mean, I owe you more than, well, yes, they are morons. That's obviously correct. Because the leftist identity politics brigade was like, hey, listen, man, you may have some anti-Asian bias. Uh, no, that's what happened. It's anti-spy bias. It's not anti-Asian bias. Whatever. Enough for today. No, I'm a little overwhelmed, and uh, I think you are too. I hope we summed up where we are, what happened, what could be next, what should have been done differently, and what we can do. 
and got you the news of the day. I did my best. Folks, thanks again for tuning in. I'll see you on the radio show a little later and on the Fox show Saturday night. Thanks for your time. See you. You just heard Dan Bongino.